Hello, and welcome to the Turbulent Marketing Podcast, where we talk to industry experts about the ups and downs of marketing. Our host is Mike Williams, director at Jetstream. All right, so welcome to another episode of the Turbulent Marketing Podcast. I'm stoked to have another uh, awesome guest here today. I've got Ryan McKenzie, uh, co-founder and CMO of True Earth, which I'm really excited to have him talk more about that company. Uh, but Ryan and I actually go uh, way back uh, in the digital marketing space. He's got over, I don't know if it's over, but t- about 20 years of experience <laughs> in digital marketing. Uh, really exciting to hear uh, some of your stories, Ryan. Uh, the ups and downs and trials and tribulations of being a digital marketer uh, over the last uh, 20 years. We were just talking about that saying, you know, it seems like a long time, but uh, I guess we're getting up there in years. So welcome to the podcast. Uh, really great to have you. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. So I'm excited to, to be here. Awesome. So why don't we, why don't we jump into, you've got the True Earth hat on, you've got the True Earth uh, banner in the background. Why don't you tell us all about True Earth and uh, mm-hmm. what you've been up to? Yeah, so um, True Earth is uh, a product we launched in April of 2019, and it's quickly become like basically 99% of what I work on. Um, it's a it's a product that's disrupting the laundry detergent space, uh, and that like with laundry detergent, roughly only 20% of of plastic laundry jugs actually get recycled. So you might throw them in your recycling bin. Um, and you think that you're, you know, you're being this like eco-friendly, sustainable human being, but roughly, I mean, the, and th- these numbers are probably actually on the, on the high side, only about 20% of those are actually ever recycled, um, and ever become anything else. Like that plastic just winds up getting burnt or winds up in landfills or in oceans. And the reason being is plastic recycling as a whole is uh, just, a uh, a messed up industry and in that the demand for the recycled product is so low that the input, so the input is like the recycled, the, the plastic that we send to the recycling depot, depots is way more than the demand for the output. So, um, you know, just the fact that people are recycling doesn't solve a recycling problem. So what, what we have is a, uh, basically a laundry detergent that comes in a strip form and we've completely eliminated all the water from the formula and we've uh we've basically only included the ingredients to actually clean your clothes so one of our strips um i'm not sure if uh people if the video is on or not but it's like about four inches by two and a half inches and it has the same amount of suffocants and the products that actually clean your laundry but it only weighs three grams like a traditional load of laundry weighs about 40 grams whether it's powder or liquid and the pods weigh about 25 so um, the, the, the big thing is the plastic is being eliminated from landfills. And the second thing is the transportation related carbon emissions. So, uh, because we can fit over 10 times the laundry detergent in the same space as, uh, as jugs or, or powder for that matter, we can, um, we can dramatically reduce the amount of carbon emissions that it takes to transport this product around, around the world. So, and then on top of that, the product works just as well, if not better. Uh, this is like uh, validated by independent reviews, um, like through labs and stuff like that. As traditional laundry detergent, it's way more convenient. It's less messy. It's pre-measured. You could be, uh, your kids can do the laundry. I'm capable to do my wife's laundry and not messing it up. Like that's, that was a challenge that's, before. That's um, a key thing, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, there's there's so many benefits. It's it's lighter. You can carry it up the stairs if you live in an apartment. It uses less space in your cupboards if you live in a condo. There's just the the benefits stack on top of benefits, and there's there's no like traditional eco-friendly product issue where you have to sacrifice performance or convenience to take care of the planet. We've basically crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's. Amazing. It's really uh, interesting. And, you know, I've heard this about recycling, about, you know, like colored plastics, like we throw them in the bin, but they don't actually get recycled. Um, And so, uh, you know, it's really interesting when you talk about all the carbon emissions and just all the waste, when you actually look into something, it's like, man, this is really bad. And some, a place where you can have a lot of really great impact uh, by changing how the the product is uh, made and delivered. Uh, So I'm kind of curious because, because I know you, from the affiliate marketing space, the performance marketing space, and then you got really heavily into content and generating content, uh, social media, that sort of stuff. And so now you're doing this True Earth. How did you get into the laundry game of all things? Yeah, you know, it's funny because I don't know if there'd be any point in my life where you could have told me that I would was going to be this laundry detergent uh, disruptor and I would have been like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, <laughs> uh, so it's funny, like, you know, I've gone through all these different stages and a lot of it has to do with like working in one space and then uh, some, something, some big change happens, whether it's an algorithm change in Google or something changes where whatever we were doing before, like I, I just go to all, I used to go to all in on independent things and then something would change and I would have a life changing moment because whatever I had done uh, was no longer effective and wasn't serving me anymore. Um, which kind of helped over the time I built up all these, all these random uh, sales skills, uh, you know, and PPC and media buying and all that stuff. But um, like a couple of years ago, after I had kids, my kind of viewpoint on the world kind of started to change. And I'm pretty sure this is fairly common for most people, but you know, when you're just looking out for yourself, you kind of, you know, you worry less about it. But after I started having kids, um, I noticed that my concern for the future of like mankind became greater and greater, but cause like, you know, I was worried about the fact that like jobs are going away, like that AI is going to be replacing jobs and, you know, Skynet type stuff. Although I don't think that's going to happen anymore, but like, you know, overpopulation, uh, not enough food, like not enough, all the, all these different things started going through my head. And um, it really brought that to kind of like the forefront of my, awareness and I was like actually actively worrying about this stuff where I never really you know I've I've been involved with some environmental stuff in the past but it never really 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 hit home to me until I had kids and I don't know if if that's selfish or what but uh, it just changed my perspective and uh, so we had an opportunity to um, get involved with this product when uh you know a couple years ago and i hadn't tried it i was told about it and i'd had i I got you know you're probably like me i get random so many random things fly on my radar and i just i'm like okay whatever like that's that's never gonna work like this little tiny strip of laundry detergent is never gonna work um so i kind of we kind of put it on the back burner and then one day i was watching youtube with my kids uh but two of my kids my third kid wasn't born yet and we're watching the show. It's very famous. One of the most famous kids on YouTube, but 
they were opening toys and they were opening this treasure chest and the treasure chest was made of plastic, the treasure chest was wrapped in plastic. They open it up and there's like this layer of toys on top. They're all wrapped in plastic and then they're in like a plastic shell and the toys made of plastic and underneath that layer, there was another layer. It was just like plastic on plastic on plastic on plastic. And I'm like, man, and you know, having kids, I see their toys, same thing all the time, those little mystery packs. I'm like, this just, it's just, why is all the, this is just insanity. Right. And, uh, after that, um, kind of reached out to my other partners again. I'm like, remember that? Let's, why don't we, it was my, my one business partner, Brad's, uh, had a family friend where this was connected from. And like, let's try, let's get, bring that in and try it out. Uh, you know, there's, there's gotta be something that we could do to help contribute against this problem. And so we sent it over, we tried it out and we're like, wow, I can't believe that that actually works as well as it does. And uh, so Kevin, you've met Kevin before. Kevin uh, fired up a website for us and we're like, let's just try to get 150 sales in the first month. And if it works out well, then, you know, we'll, we'll carry it on. And we got almost like 2,000, 2,000 people subscribed in the first month. It was, I think it was like 1,800 or something. And we've kind of gone from there. And one thing to kind of note about this is like in the past, in a lot of the things that I've been tied to, like especially maybe for about a year leading up to this, even when we were having success with things, there's a lot of times where I was just kind of like feeling like, you know, what is this all for? Or like, I don't know, maybe midlife crisis. Like what's the meaning of my life? What am I doing this all for? Like, you know, and this is like the first time oh, since I had that like bit of a moment where I actually feel like we're doing something. Like it's not just a business to make money. It's a business to, to change the world and make a better place for my kids in the future. Yeah, no, I can certainly relate to uh, to all that, man. I mean, when I when I started out early in my own career, it was just like, can I make money doing this? And then you do it, and you're yeah. like, okay, but can I make money doing this and do something with a purpose, or do something of value, or truly help people, or feel good end to end on everything that we're doing? It's really difficult to do. Uh, it sounds like you've you've found uh, something that has sort of multiple effects, but uh, certainly that you know that that kid factor. Uh, plays into it and, and changes some of your motivations uh, as you mature in your, in your career. So I can certainly uh, relate to that. Um, I'm curious when you, when you launched the product, uh, what sort of marketing tactics did you uh, use to, to get the word out? Like, you know, we're talking PPC, SEO, email, uh, social, all of the above. Oh, uh, well, I mean, obviously initially there wasn't very much SEO because that's kind of hard to you know hit overnight, but uh, the biggest things were Facebook ads. Uh, that's usually my my go to to start for testing, um, unless unless it's something that yeah. I mean, in most cases for a physical product, uh, Facebook's a fantastic medium. Um, you know, you can target buyers, you can demonstrate the product. But I just simply, honestly, like I literally took my iPhone and I went in front of my washing machine and I had the package on the on the washer and I took my camera. And I snapped a, a vertical picture of the laundry detergent and I wrote like, I wrote like four ads. I didn't like sit down and like spend an hour like crafting messages. And honestly, whenever I do that, they tank. It's always the ones that I just go off the cusp. But uh, uh, the first four ads, I wrote them up, put them online. First day, I, I, sent, I sent it to somebody I used to work with when I was having, uh, when I was working at Bell. I was working at Bell briefly because when some of my businesses failed like 10 years ago and uh, I sent it to her and 
I hadn't talked to her in a bit and she bought it and she was the first customer and then nobody bought on the Facebook ads for the rest of the day. And I'm like, oh man, like, maybe this, maybe this, this, maybe this isn't like as good as we hoped. Um, and then the next day it really started hitting on Facebook ads and then we sent it to a couple email lists that we had. It worked really well. And then we even put it in a couple of subscription boxes, which, which helped get the ball uh, rolling. But that didn't contribute to those first 1500 sales, but it, it did get, uh, it did really help. And then also we launched very close to Earth Day. So it was just very good timing. Yeah, cool. Uh, it, it sounds like, you know, sort of the tried and true thing that works on Facebook is the real, like non-branded, real life images. Would you say that that was the case for you guys as well? Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely in the beginning, it was the really native looking stuff. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, one, one, we, couldn't, we couldn't do PPC in the beginning or we could, but since we were kind of creating a new category inside of laundry detergent, it just, it was, there wasn't like search terms for laundry strips or laundry sheets right. or whatever. So it was, it wasn't really profitable going after just straight laundry detergent at that time because there was zero awareness. Yeah. And I wonder like, do people search for, I guess they do laundry detergent on Google. Like it just seems like something you just, when you're at the grocery store, you just grab a brand. Yeah, I thought there would be more, honestly. Like, I think there's something like 27,000 searches a month in the US. Like, it's not as big as, well, it's pretty much in line with what you just said. <laughs> so you nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's not something that I rushed to Google to get. I'm like, you know, maybe I saw a TV ad for Tide and I happened to grab that one, right? But, yeah. but I'm also not thinking about laundry detergent as an environmental play or like, you know, what am I putting you know, into my laundry, into my clothes and what, what's the recycling? Like I did, that's not really uh, a thing that I think about. So you've certainly discovered a pocket that is, is kind of untapped and probably something that, you know, the big players are not going to go after or not talk about until you start maybe nipping at their heels. Yeah. And it started already. Like we, I mean, it's, it's really cool to see there's like, we can see the big brands like actively trying to create, um, not necessarily laundry strips, but like because of the, how much, like our ads have been seen by 250 million people just on Facebook alone in like last year. Um, that's a lot of people. So there, you're starting to see some different like versions of Tide and different versions of other stuff come out, which, you know, whether or not that's directly attributable to us, I'm not sure, but I know that we are uh, causing a ruckus and they are aware of it. Yeah. And I would certainly say, like you said, you're a disruptor in the laundry space. That's certainly uh, what you're doing. Uh, what are your, what are your big plans for this going forward? Like, you know, wh where do you want this to go? Where do you see this going? Uh, how do you, how do you make that impact that you sort of set out to achieve? Yeah, it's, it's, um, you know, right now it's kind of like choose your own adventure. Like you, we run into prompts and we pick which way we want to go. But um, right now we, we're, we're in the midst of signing a lease in a place we're ho hoping to be able to get a warehouse and retail in one spot. Um, we're already in a lot of retail, but like just, we want to have our own like storefront too, just cool. to, uh, if we're getting a big space, why not? Right. But the big, the big thing for us right now would probably to get into more major retail, um, which we have tons of it in the works. I think we're probably in like 500 stores right now, but I, I'd say 80% of those are, um, uh, specialty retail. So, and then honestly, like just going after, um, we're trying to go after 
the entire world. And uh, we got a few other products in the pipeline that we think are really cool that um, our, our customers are going to love. So yeah, I was just going to ask if you're going to expand the product line. It'd make a lot of sense to start doing that. Yeah, we got a bunch of, we have a lot of different inquiries for, for different products. And, you know, it's, we can basically put anything into a strip um, or not anything, but a lot of most things into a strip that's in a liquid. So the hardest part is obviously like is testing and making sure that like, I don't, I don't ever want to release a product that isn't great. We our products. We want our products to be, uh, be as good, if not better and, and more effective as, as effective, if not more effective than anything currently on the market. So making the change isn't a sacrifice, right? Right. Um, so, so I'm not going to, I won't rush to push anything to the market that, you know, we haven't proven the efficacy of or, or whatnot, but we do have some cool things coming, but it just, each, each thing that we do takes a little while to like it, like to, to basically QA test, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's the thing that, you know, as, as a marketer, you know, when you're getting into looking at products and, you know, I'm curious where you um, you know, found the product or where you like manufacture it, where do you create it? Right? That's a whole different part of owning the full process, right? Like as a, mm -hmm. as an affiliate marketer or a content marketer, you may worry about up to this point, get my traffic, get paid and we move on. But now you're owning more of the process. You have a store, you're talking about pop-up stores. It's a real yeah. venture, right? There's a lot more complexity that comes with that. Totally. Yeah. And we, ours is, our, we manufacture in Canada. Um, it's patented. Um, there, there are a few knockoff brands coming out that are, that are made, uh, in China, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're never going to be able to get like GMP, which is like a good manufacturing process because I think that's what it's called, um, certification or, or anything like that, because they're not, they, they don't have any control of the factories. They're, they're these Anyways, I'm not going to go too into <laughs> deep into the, into the knockoff people because they're, you know, the one thing about having people knocking you off, it, it demonstrates that you are doing something right. And uh, uh, so, you know, they go out there as, lo as long as they're not delivering a terrible product that, that makes people think poorly about, uh, you know, laundry sheets, laundry strips. Um, you know, there are some plus sides like the fact that they're building the, vertical for us and we're going to continue to be the king and queens of uh that space awesome yeah very cool so sounds like true earth was one of those like the trajectory you hope for you start, launched it in april and it just took off right sounds like it i mean sure there's probably little dips and stuff but you did mention briefly that you've had some businesses fail uh mm -hmm. could, could you dive into some of the failures in the past and and uh, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh about that yeah. So, um, I mean, I can all roll back to probably when we actually first connected, um, we were doing a lot in the ringtone subscription space. Uh, so anybody who's probably under the age of like 30 probably has no idea what the ringtone subscription space is slash was, but, um, basically we, we were, I mean, we worked with, we worked with Neverblue, which I think that, that was actually how we connected originally for, yeah. uh, Canadian ringtone subscriptions, but uh, uh, that space was blowing up in the mid 2000s. Um, and uh, we were working with a company that had like that, that supplied us with um, all the technology and software and compliance and everything like that. And um, 
we were doing extremely well. Like I was 25 and all, at least it was extremely well for me at the time. I actually never thought that I would ever get back above this again um, when I was in the dumps, but we were doing like about around a hundred thousand dollars a month. And I thought that was just like, my mind was blown. I, I thought I was ready to retire type thing. <laughs> and then uh, uh, there is a company called uh, Jamster. And if you remember the crazy frog, do, 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 whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and um, so we were pushing our leads uh, to, to this one platform uh, in the U S but Canada had different rules. So Jamster was the only one that had Canadian ringtones and we were pushing our leads to Jamster and we were like number one or number two in Google for like free ringtones for ringtones for like all these things. And at the time, uh, so I was doing a lot of SEO and that was like my, my thing back then. And Jamster, uh, didn't like the fact that we were some of the, like the, that we ranked for free ringtones cause their ringtones weren't free. Um, but we offered free ringtones on our site. So it wasn't like we were misleading people. Um, but they got choked and they, they said, you can't, you can't, um, you can't give us leads anymore. So they shut us down. And I think that was on... It was either you guys or Azugal when they were around. I can't remember who it was, but they shut us down. And anyways, so everybody was reselling. Uh, uh, so Jamster actually worked with a company called Glispa, and they were like the top of the, they were like the main uh, affiliate network that they were working with, and they were basically brokering leads to all these other like sub-affiliate networks. So uh, I made, this is actually a pretty stupid decision that I made, is that since I was in with Glispa too, I just went and started selling them leads again. And I don't really know exactly what happened, but they got mad. They shut us down again and they were like super, super upset, which I get, you know, I, I kind of worked around getting them, selling them leads again. And somehow within like two or three days of this like little battle with them, our site completely vanished from the search engines. Like, oh, wow. I don't know if they were found a way to report us to Google for something. I don't even know. And like our income basically dried up except the ringtone subscriptions we had in the US, those were recurring. So we built another site and uh, we weren't selling Jamster anymore, but we, we spent a ton of money on SEO and we got it back to like the bottom of the first page. And I just felt like somebody was, somebody was watching us or paying attention to us. And I, as soon as we got there again, boom, vanished, gone. So that was our, our income basically disintegrated uh, in the course of like a couple of months. And what's crazy about this is that we were like, there's a, there's a caveat to this. So we had a, we still had all that recurring revenue that we were allowed to continue to, to take, but we weren't allowed to get anybody, any new customers. So we were like, okay, we're not too bad off, but we had been investing all of our profits into this foreign currency, managed foreign currency trading uh, platform that was like, <laughs> it was like registered with the BC securities commission and all this stuff. And like about three weeks after we'd been shut down for uh, <laughs> the ringtones, we get a, a letter stating that all of our money, uh, which was actually that included our money that was supposed to be paying the government, our taxes uh, that we were going to withdraw when we needed it was, uh, was uh, in a Ponzi scheme and stolen. Oh shit. <laughs> so wow. now, so now, yeah, so now we had no business and we had, we owed the government like $75,000 and all of our money was gone. So it was like, it was so bad, man. It was so bad. And I just bought another house and I hadn't sold my old place yet. And like I had this car that was 
probably way more expensive than I should have had for that age. I would like, it was like unbelievably devastating. Um, one of the, one of the hardest things that I ever had to deal with in my life. And I had to go and get a job selling cell phones because wow. I just didn't have, I, I, and that was not cutting it financially for me. It was, it was tough. Wow. I, I, I didn't realize that was the story. I mean, I knew about the, the free ringtones and, and that sort of stuff and that path and what happened with everyone that was promoting those things and, and, and you know, that that happened to you, but I didn't realize about all of the money being invested in that, that it was gone. So you were like yeah. way down in the dumps. And I think that's the thing about like being an affiliate is the only thing that was consistent was that you were going to have to find something else. Right. And then once that dries up and you're like, man, there is nothing else. Right. Cause we bought a lot of PPC traffic, which is really rented traffic. Right. Yeah. And so that would sometimes go away, but we would find something else and we'd find something else and, and you could keep going that way. But um, you know, once you lose that SEO placement, it's, it's gone. It's tough. It sounds like you kind of got it back and then you lost it. But then to just lose all of the money that you made from this residual income and, and things that were coming in. So you really had to like reinvent yourself uh, as a marketer. And what was, so what was the next step? Cause that's, you know, you went and worked at Bell. I think at the same yeah. time you started to build up some content sites, right? Yeah. So uh, yeah, this isn't even the end of the roller coaster. So uh, <laughs> you remember Jordan, 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 uh, Jordan from Never Blue too. Do you remember Jordan uh, Bones? Uh, oh yeah. Bones is right. Um, sorry. Dealerships randomly calling my cell phone. Um, we were talking to him and we were, we were going to work together to build out this content platform where we shared the revenue with users. And he was originally on board, but he, he eventually uh, got, he, he got deeper into the email side of things and we just went different ways. But um, yeah, so we went and started building this platform. I was working at Bell at night and on the weekends because you have to, they, they have a mandatory 20 hours you have to work. Um, and uh, we were building the site called Info Barrel, where we shared 75% of the revenue with users. And uh, it grew really fast too. Um, like really, really fast. But I, I tried to take the lesson of working at Bell. Like I was embarrassed that I had to go work at this, at, like in the mall. Like, but man, it was like such, like huge hit to my ego. And um, but after a couple of weeks, I was like, you know what? This is probably a really good opportunity for me to learn how sales worked. So we were building Info Barrel out. It was growing like super quickly, but not nothing crazy where where it was gonna make us rich. But um, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And the mean, same time, I'm learning more about sales, about the psychology of sales, like how to figure out what people want and so on and so forth. And continue to grow. We got to like something, I can't remember, I can never remember the number anymore, but we were getting like 10 million searches a month from Google. And at the exact same time when we were kind of peaking, uh, I also uh, had the second highest sales in Bell in, in British Columbia. And I was working half the time with everybody else. And I got like president's award or whatever and sent to Montreal. And like, you know, I'm like, man, things are going awesome. We're like crushing it with Info Barrel. We're getting so much new content. We're, we're making more money every month. Like we were only up to like 20 grand a month or something like that. But like that was like all right, we're, we're getting there, right? Like we're almost at a point where we can get paid properly. Like 20 grand on our side, not including what we're paying everybody else. And then I go to Montreal, uh, celebrate this president's trophy or president's award thing, whatever it's called. And I fly back and when I land, I'm grabbing my luggage. My dad's picking me up from the airport. I look at my phone and I'm like, Google Analytics, for whatever reason, I don't know, I decide to look at it at the airport and I'm like, whoa, traffic's down like from Google, like 30%. 
And uh, Google had just released the first iteration of Panda, which mm. was like an update that uh, for the quality of the content. And, you know, we tried to make the content quality better than what you would normally see on article sites. But, you know, when you get to the point where you have the amount of content that we had, it just was, it was so hard. And then, so we started working on making like algorithms to check like content quality and stuff like that. And then we're starting to improve that. And then boom, Google rolls out Penguin. And that was like for, for bad links. And since people were creating content on our site, people were linking to it. Uh, it was just like, we just, we, we spent like a year clawing and trying to fix this thing and never really making any ground. And it was really, really hard because I've been working at Bell for God, two years now. Um, and like, it was basically consuming all of my time outside of working on this. Like I'd work on this during the day and then that at night, the weekends. And I was like, man, this, I don't know. Like, and an opportunity to be a longshoreman popped up for my father-in-law, which is like a really great paying job. And it's just like, you know, cathartic labor. I'm like, okay, I'll take this. And uh, I started doing that part-time and quit doing the cell phones because I'm like, I don't know what the f my future has, right? And there was lots of times where I was working down at the docks and I'm like, I, maybe I'm done being an entrepreneur. Like I'm tired of being stressed all the time. I'm tired of losing. I'm tired of, of always trying to claw back. And um, pretty soon into like me starting to work down there, uh, again, it was like at evenings and weekends, I was uh, offered uh, um, a kind of like a life raft. Um, but Brad, who's my partner now, offered us, um, uh, uh, what's it called, a, uh, a merger with uh, some magazines um, to try to build out and grow these other magazines and do some e-commerce and stuff like that. And we took it and that was kind of the point where things started getting better again. But like it's, you know, that was 2014. So it's 2020 now and things have been pretty good since. But there's, there was, it was like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> well, it's it's like just hearing you talk. Like this is this is exactly why I created this podcast. Is because it's it's the journey that people go through. And if you just watch that from the back seat, right, and you didn't really know the the background and the story, you'd be like, oh, here's this guy made a bunch of money in ringtones, and then he parlayed that into Info Barrel, and that was a success. And now he's doing this laundry thing. But if you really hear the story, you know that it's turbulent. It goes up and down, and there's bottoms, and there's pits, and there's like points where you peak and you're at the top. And, and I, you know, I can go through this and even in like a month or two of like a PPC campaign, you're like, man, I am the best at this. And then Google changes something. You're like, I don't know anything. <laughs> right. And, and so you have to like constantly rebuild your skills uh, and, and come back to it, but you have to be able to fight through these ups and downs. And I've certainly been there where I'm like, man, maybe I should just not do this anymore. And I should just get a job. And I've done that. And I went and got a job and I was like, I, it just was incomplete. I'm like, I gotta, I gotta live the game. What I want to do is get good at managing those ups and downs, but continue to go through them and turn the ups and downs into something that is up and down as it's trending upwards. So, yeah. you know, I definitely can relate to a lot of uh, what you're saying. I'm, I'm glad you, you know, hopefully you found something now that is solid, but certainly owning more of the process. You're not just an employee. You're not just the marketer. You're not, you know, creating a site where other people are creating content and you're so dependent on Google. With True Earth, you can do more of an omni-channel play. You can do online, offline. We're talking about pop-up stores. You own the product, right? Was that, was that something that you were like, 
seeking out as well. Like I know there's an environmental play, but were you looking at that? Like I want to be an entrepreneur and in more of a traditional sense of like, you know, we have marketing and we have the product and it's all together. Not I'm a marketer and I partner with some business or some people that create content. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think it was always the dream to have a brand that, that people recognize or like, and it's funny because my viewpoints on things have changed so many, so much over, over, over the years. And like, I, you know, before when I was, I was mostly concerned about making money, my, if you we were to have a conversation, I would say something like, you know, branding doesn't mean anything. Forget about branding. You know what you can, all you need to do is get an offer out there, test it, see if it, see if it sells. Right. And, and I'm sure if you dig around, there's probably a podcast where I say something like that. It's because <laughs> that was how I, like that was my I, opinion. I exactly relate to that too. But but now you know, being you know, maturing in my own career, I see the the emergence or the the merging of brand with performance, and they need to work together. Yeah, and like I mean, brand. I mean, there's lots of different names for it, brand performance branding or whatever. But like the more like before now, when I look back at myself now, um, you know, even though I was like, I always felt like I was being ethical. I just like. The, the, there, there wasn't outside of the, um, like the benefits and the, and the copy that we were creating, we weren't really like, we weren't really having anything for people to buy into. Um, and like, this is iterative, like this happened over time, right? I just didn't wake up one day and be like, I love storytelling, you know, like it was like, um, and I do like, you know, I, as you can tell, I, I don't shut up. So I, I enjoy the storytelling process, but but um, like, I didn't realize how powerful like a story was and like all the components of a story, like a villain. And um, I talk about this a lot in a lot of podcasts too, but like when you sell something to somebody, when you just sell them something and it's an item, you're creating an opportunity them, for them to have buyer's remorse because it's just a thing. It's just material. It doesn't necessarily, like, maybe it solves a problem potentially. Maybe it like solves a symptom, whatever that is. And that's great. But like the next day after they spend the money, they might be like, Oh, did I really need that? Uh, and then, but when you sell somebody something and it's tied to something bigger, like a movement, like a cause, like, like, like for us, we are helping keep, we're trying to eliminate 700 million load, or jugs of laundry from getting into landfills in North America every year. That's one thing we're trying to do. And we track that number and we share that number with our users. And when we, when we send out those emails updating everybody, we see like huge sales and we're not even selling them anything. We're just telling them about what they've done for the world. And it's not about us. It's about, it's about the fact that they are the ones that are doing this by making these decisions. And then, like we also partner with like charities and stuff like that. So, and I mean, again, I'm not trying to make this about me, but just examples is that like every load of laundry detergent that somebody buys, they're not just buying one for themselves. We're matching them and we are giving them to like, like people in like Ghana or like doctors and hospitals and like food banks around Canada and the U S like there's so many things that we're doing. So when they're, when they're buying into true earth and the true earth movement, they're not just buying their laundry detergent, they are making impact on other people's lives, on the planet, so many different things. And it's really, really hard to have dissonance over, over, uh, you know, over impact. It's hard. It's easy to have dissonance over like buying another, uh, like another, I don't know, set of pottery barn 
mugs that you didn't need but like when you're doing something bad example but when you're when you're when you're making an impact and your story and your brand uh is more than just a sale uh it's it's amazing what happens and unfolds on the other side yeah absolutely and, and again i've learned the same lesson right we we teach a digital marketing course and we start out with branding and storytelling and and the storytelling is so important, right? Like we're going to talk about funnels and we're going to talk about PPC and stuff. But if we're not talking about the narrative and the story and how to make this advertising interesting and compelling, then it's just not going to resonate with uh, with your customers or your potential users. So I've learned the same uh, lesson, right? I mean, I think that's both of us kind of being born out of the the performance marketing affiliate space where we cared up to this point and we cared about leads because that's where our revenue came from. But now that you're actually selling a product, you, you do, you have to tell a story and it has to be interesting and storytelling. Uh, you know, I've heard it from, you know, different books or different leaders or coaches I've worked with. It comes up so often. So the earlier people can understand this, the better off they'll be as marketers is, is my thinking. Now I wish I'd learned it sooner. Totally. And I, I mean, I've been hearing about story. We've been, I mean, we've all been inundated with like the value of storytelling for like the last decade. And I will honest to God say that the first five or six years that I heard that, I just thought this is bullshit and these guys don't know how to sell. I swear, <laughs> that's what I thought. That's what I thought. And the, the, if, if, if somebody is starting and they're listening to this right now and they're getting into like a direct response type business, you're going to get to a point where you're going to be like, okay, I need, I need copywriting. I need copywriting. I need to write the best copy that's going to sell. And if you have your story, written out like if you use like story brands like one sheet one sheet like cheat sheet like you don't need a fancy i mean copywriters are going to dispute this but you don't need a crazy copywriter all you gotta do is like tell the story and the benefits of your story and like you just saved yourself three thousand dollar sales letter a five thousand dollar sales letter like it's it's amazing how impactful the story can be when you're writing copy yeah. Yeah. And it makes me, I, I heard this about David Ogilvy. I can't remember. I think it was Mercedes. They, they scored Mercedes as a client and he went and lived wherever Mercedes is, Germany. I think uh, he went and lived there for a month and just, just took in the brand so that he could get the story and understand the brand and then come back and write the copy. So it's not about being just a good copywriter. You'd have to understand the, the key aspects of the story and the brand in order to make good copy. Sure. There's some techniques and things that you use, but uh, I think for myself too, you know, copywriting is something that I didn't uh, respect and value as much early in my career because we could just A/B test everything, yeah. right? which is fine. But let's let's start at you know like a head start by telling a story and writing good copy versus let's write 800 versions of an ad and just find the one that works. Exactly. Right? You can you can cut that. So um, through all this, you know, it's interesting to to hear you talk. It sounds like you got a bit of a, a lesson in the school of hard knocks. Um, how did you how did you get into SEO early on and and did you go to school did you have like a business education or did you go to university Yeah I I did go to uh I went to college briefly part time for uh computer information systems which is like I don't know it's pretty much the uh the school you go to when you want to do something with computers, I guess, but I probably like basic networking. I don't know. I went to school for four years on it. I worked part, I was working part-time at the same time in the tech industry. I worked for rapid transit project, which built all the sky trains here in, in British Columbia. And then I worked for eBay briefly. And then, uh, actually I started working for eBay after I accidentally forgot to pay my tuition at school and got deregistered. And then I got a job at crystal decisions, which turned into business objects, which turned into SAP. 
and you're supposed to have a bachelor's to work there. So I'm like, oh, I probably don't need this education. And uh, yeah, that, that, that really didn't, that, that's just basically how I got into working in the tech space. But um, I was, uh, how I started learning SEO, um, I don't even specifically remember, but I remember the first thing where I actually started making money with it. And uh, it was like these little, those little smiley, those little emoticons, they're called emojis, used to be called emoticons. And uh, uh, I like was sick and I was laying in bed and I'm like, I have this idea. Like, uh, there's like so many different emojis or emoticons and people have to search them and download them to use them on MSN Messenger. I'm just going to make a site and I'm going to make a page for each of these different emoticons and see if like the search engines like it. And you know, this was 2002 like, two or 2003. And I woke up the next day. I was sick. I got up and I just quickly put something together. And I woke up the next day. I'm like, sure enough, I was like ranking for all this stuff. And uh, quickly we started, we got to the point where we we're making like three or 4,000 bucks a month off these, like these emoticons. And uh, so, you know, from there, I kind of dug in a little bit deeper into how it all worked. And, you know, back then it was very rudimentary, like have your, your, keywords on your site and make sure the anchor text and your links that pointed to you was appropriate. And it was, there was so little competition. It was easy to rank. And you know, that was, that was how the ball got rolling. Yeah. Cool. I, I got my start in SEO as well. I was a, I was a link builder. So basically sending out email yeah. messages, trying to get links and increase the page rank. And at that time you had the toolbar that told you your page rank. Right? Yeah. And like, Oh my God, I got it from a three to a six and it was so much work. Right. Cause I was just emailing, yeah. asking for links. Um, <laughs> And I'm so glad that you said emoticons. I, I have a hard time saying emojis, but I use them interchangeable. People look at me like, what the heck's an emoticon? Right? <laughs> I'm like, that's what they used to be called. Uh, yeah. So um, what, what, uh, what, are you, what are your plans from, from here? Like, uh, obviously, True Earth is going. You talked a little bit about that. Um, you know, is there anything in your past? It sounds like you've learned a lot to arrive where you are. Is there anything in your past that was like, you know, either this high or this low has really grown me and gotten me to here and is taking me to somewhere else, right? And, and specifically you, not necessarily your business. Like, where do you feel like you're going? Yeah, I mean, this is kind of like uh, probably something that everybody struggles with, especially that's an entrepreneur. And when you first start having kids is that like uh, my personality type is very dreamy not like dreamy as an i'm dreamy but like i i'm <laughs> maybe that's true too uh no but uh um um <laughs> uh, i i just i'm like that that type of person that's like i can like just be around people and not talk i mean i, I like to talk too but like if i'm in like my headspace i i'll just like not be very present because i just get something in my head and i don't stop thinking about it and um it's something that i've been trying to get better with my kids with my kids um uh but it's something that i that i that i will probably always struggle with just based on how i'm wired but um and phones really make it hard to 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 um you know fully shut down mm -hmm. but i mean if i was to say a struggle outside of business that i personally battle with it would be just like trying to trying to be more present um in virtually like every scenario that i'm in um, you know, I get, I get glimpses of it. Like when we go on vacations, like I just like, I'll get in the moment. I'm not, I could just not wear what, what I'm like. Right. And I'll, I'll be like, man, I gotta, 
it's like I get screenshots at these times where I get in those in those in into the into whatever I'm actually doing that's that's with like other people. I'm like, uh, like we were in Harrison Hot Springs like a year and a half ago, and I I had my son, and I was like putting him under, under like a waterfall thing, and I'm like, man, this is amazing, you know. And I just I need to step back and smell the roses a little bit more and uh, enjoy what I have while I have it instead of uh, being in like the clouds all the time because, you know. You only have so much time to be here and uh it's easy to get caught up in what's coming instead of what's already here absolutely man that's such a great message another thing i resonate with as well you know a few years ago i, I got really stressed actually i've been through it a couple of times and i think i've learned finally but you know I, i've tried to build some some habits in and, and compartmentalize things so that when i am outside of work i'm truly present with my kids because you know like we we're talking before they grow up so fast we grow older so fast uh, and you don't want to miss the, those those moments. So that's so uh, important. And if you can um, find a way to do that, uh, for me personally, you know, doing a lot of uh, meditation, headspace to to practice yeah. mindfulness and like being present is so good. And and a lot of different settings. My phone is in black and white. Uh, it gives me like 15 minutes for social media, and then it starts making it harder for me to get in there. <laughs> so it's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I've done little things like that. It, that certainly help. but um, being aware of, you know, when I'm starting to burn out and, and when things are kind of uh, overtaking has, has been really helpful for me. Um, so before we kind of wrap up, is there any like advice or like books or even like a, like a really great campaign that you've seen as a marketer that you're like, I love what they're doing. Right. Uh, is there anything like, like that, that you can uh, share with the listeners? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been sharing this book. I mean, the, the two books that uh, I think would provide people value who are either um, like in the first couple years of, of their business or, um, or even just brand new. So like the two, the two books that I would probably, my favorite, my, probably my favorite book of all time is, or business book of all time is, um, uh, Michael Masterson, aka Michael Ford, uh, or sorry, Michael Ford's, Michael Ford's his real name. Michael Masterson's his pen name. He has a book called uh, Ready, Fire, Aim, and it's fantastic. Uh, Michael Masterson built Agora, and he's built like ten other hundred million dollar businesses. It's just if you need a business model and a way to think about your business and look at it like holistically, uh, read that book. It's like my bible. It's amazing. So good. Um, cool. It just like it talks about you know, creating a front front end products and um, back end products, the difference, how to maximize lifetime value, like everything. Every, basically, it's it is an amazing book that every business person should read that is selling things. Um, the other book um, I've only listened to I've listened to it one time and, and I haven't gone through everything, but uh, story brand um, story brand is what I like about story brand is that Donald Miller simplifies um, uh, storytelling down to um, like you, he literally gives you like Mad Lib type documents that you can fill out and you'll have a one brand, one pager on everything that you need to know about your brand for whether it's creating copy or telling your story or, or whatever. So those are, those are the two, the two books. Um, in terms of a brand that I love, um, it's doing interesting stuff. Uh, this, uh, you know, this brand's not exact isn't eco-friendly or anything like that, but um, they are doing 
really strong, strong moves and uh, they're, they're, they're taking, disrupting an industry pretty in, intensely and that's snow teeth whitening. Um, a, a guy named Josh, he usually goes by Josh Snow. Um, they are, you know, they're getting into like Target and they're getting into like Best Buys and they're in all these different places, but they're, um, they're, they're, they're just doing a lot of really innovative things and, and they're disrupting uh, a very, very old school space in, in the, in the teeth, teeth, uh, whitening oral care space. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty, pretty awesome to watch. Yeah. Do, do you know him personally? Yeah. I mean, we met in Tampa Bay in January. We were both speaking at Ezra Firestone's, uh, okay. Blue Ribbon Mastermind. Uh, so I, I had a few minutes to chat with him and we've, we've chatted, uh, we chat here and there on, on, uh, Facebook. I mean, he's not my best, best buddy in the world or anything like that, but, um, you know, we've had, we've had a couple dialogues and he's, he's, uh, incredibly intelligent. Yeah. I've just, I've heard his name from a couple of different people in my space and, and just say mm -hmm. like, you know, what he's doing is, is amazing. And I haven't really looked into just what he's up to, but it sounds like he's doing uh, quite well. So yeah, follow, 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 follow him on Facebook and, and, and just look at all the stuff that they're doing. It's uh, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Cool. Cool. Speaking of follow on Facebook, uh, where can we, uh, so tell me where to go to True Earth. I'm going to go there. I'm going to buy something right after. Watch for that order coming in. It's probably just going to get blended in the millions of dollars you're making. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to order some of that. And then uh, my wife can, well, and I can try that out. Um, but where do you go to get True, True Earth? Where can people follow you or follow True Earth uh, right now? Sure. So uh, I'm on, I'm on, uh, or we're on the web at www.tru.tru. There's no E. So tru.earth, E-A-R-T-H. There's also no .com. So it's very confusing for typing in. Um, True.earth. Um, or you can, find, you can find me personally on, on Facebook. I have a business page. Uh, it's the Rye, R-Y-E, McKenzie. Or you can probably search Ryan McKenzie and, and pillage through the million other Ryan McKenzies. I'm also on, I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, you know, the probably the places, two places I post the most, if you're interested in seeing what I post are on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. Um, but I'm not like, uh, I kind of post a blend of stuff like this and stuff about my family. So I'm not, uh, I'm not selling things on to people uh, like courses or, or things like that. Yet. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I've, I've tried, I've, I have tried that briefly before, but no, I'm not, not my, not my jam. Yeah. Cool. Well, I, it was, it was really great to have you. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing all the stories, the good and the bad. Uh, it sounds like you've been on one hell of a journey and it's certainly paid dividends for you. And it sounds like you've landed in a really great spot where you can marry together that entrepreneurial skill, the, the, you know, look after the environment, marketing, all these things. I really, uh, am happy to see you uh, in that space and all of the best, uh, for true earth, true dot earth. Check it out. Thanks for listening to the Turbulent Marketing Podcast. Our show is brought to you by www.jetstream.agency. Be sure to follow us at Jetstream Agency and get more episodes of the Turbulent Marketing Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe and share this with one person.